Hi, my name's Alyssa. And my name's Melissa. Welcome back to the Deliverability Defined Podcast. Each week, we'll be diving deep into a topic and giving you practical advice to improve your email deliverability. In other words, we'll help you reach the inbox of your subscribers and stay out of their spam folders, leading to more success in your email marketing. Deliverability can be complex, but we're here to define it. Hello, Melissa. How's it going? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm good. I want to hear a little bit about your life update because you have been driving across the country. Is that right? I I have been. I am currently recording this podcast episode from Boise, Idaho, which is originally where I'm from. So we decided to do a quick little stop over here so we could see our families. And then we are moving on to Seattle, Washington. Wow. So we did the we did the the drive from North Carolina all the way to well, it will all be all the way to Washington. So Ooh, that's a long drive. And are you actually driving the U-Haul yourself? I am. Oh my god. It's gosh. a 26 foot <laughs> truck with a car trailer on the back. And thankfully my best friend helped me drive a little bit and I'll drive the rest of the way by myself in the coming days. So yeah, it's wow. been a, an interesting thing. I can drive anything now though. It's great. Uh, yeah, you can. You're a pro. I would be so <laughs> yeah. afraid to do that. It was a little it was a little intimidating. We had to drive through St. Louis and Kansas City and that was a little interesting because it's it was busy. Yeah. But I'm here now and I'm glad that it's happening. Yeah. That's exciting. I know you've been waiting to move for a long time. Yep. COVID definitely put a a little dent in people's plans, I think. So (laughs) we're finally moving and that's exciting. Yeah. Seattle's beautiful. So I'm going to come visit whenever, you know, it's safe. Yes, Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Cool. Well, today we are going to dive into a topic that I think everyone will be able to, you know, get some value from, and that is Gmail. All about Gmail. I would say the top mailbox provider right now when it comes to how many people use them, I know at ConvertKit, over half of our volume is sent to Gmail. And for most customers, we help their largest segment of subscribers are Gmail users. So we're going to dive into how Gmail decides where to place your messages in inbox or spam folder. We're going to talk about the promotions tab, which... It's a big one. Yeah, I think that'll be a really interesting conversation and hopefully eye-opening. We'll talk a little bit about Google Postmaster tools and how you can use that to get some more data. And then finally, what to do if you think you're having spam filtering issues at Gmail, how to get that fixed. Yes, this will be a great topic. I think I would say I get a couple questions at least once a day about Gmail and specifically things that customers see going on, whether they're doing testing of their own or they have a Gmail subscriber reach out to them saying that they're not getting mail. But it's definitely fun to talk about because Gmail is just a little bit different than most of the other um, email box providers. I like talking about it. Yeah, me too. I think they're really interesting because they're I mean, we just talked about hay, and it's interesting Mm -hmm. to think of them in light of hay. But I would say for the most part, they've been seen as like the most innovative. Um, Kind of the gold standard in a way. Right. Uh, Their spam filtering is really good for the most part. Obviously, you know, there are good senders who end up in the spam folder and they might get some things wrong. But for the most part, they have really smart filtering, really advanced filtering. And I feel like they are building 
more features than maybe your typical ISP or mailbox provider. But of course, hey, just came on the scene and they have some pretty cool new stuff going on, but they definitely don't have Gmail's amazing spam filtering. Definitely. So we can kind of dive in and talk about how Gmail handles deliverability. So they do have filtering algorithms. They are very complex and that's kind of why it's difficult sometimes to figure out why your emails might be going to spam. Um, If you think about the millions and millions of messages that are being sent daily to Gmail, they have to be on, you know, they have to be on their game. They have Mm. to be able to stop, you know, we talk about it obviously in a lot of other episodes, but so much of email is malicious and spam and fish. And they are trying to do everything they can to be sure that those things do not get through to your inbox. So, they take a lot of factors into con- into consideration. And so sometimes it can be a little bit overwhelming to test when you're just a, a sender who's trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah, definitely. I love always stressing that most of the mail, Gmail and other ISPC come through to them is spam. So that's their very first priority is making sure the messages are safe. And then from that point, they want to figure out, well, are they actually wanted? Um, But one thing to keep in mind, if you didn't know this already, is that each mailbox provider has their own unique filtering. So you might have issues with Gmail specifically, but then be totally fine everywhere else and have perfect inbox placement everywhere else. Not a one size fits all kind of thing. Yeah. So if we're going to talk about Gmail specifically in comparison to all the other mailbox providers, Gmail does seem to weigh domain reputation most heavily when deciding where an email belongs. We have a whole podcast episode on reputation that goes into what determines reputation. But essentially by that, I mean, if you are sending an email to a Gmail subscriber, Gmail is going to know the history of your domain and the types of messages you've sent in the past, and then how most people engaged with messages in the past. So Gmail is going to say, okay, I see a a message coming in from Melissa Lambert. And last time, you know, Melissa Lambert has sent, let's say, a thousand messages over the last month pretty consistently, and 50% of Gmail users opened the message. So that lets us know, for the most part, people really like Melissa's messages. They're probably also going to look and see how many people marked them as spam. So if she has a low complaint rate, that's going to be a good signal. So if all of those sorts of signals are good, then Melissa or the sender will have a high sender reputation. And then the next step is for Gmail to think about the very specific subscriber they're about to deliver that message to and see how they have acted in the past. So even if everyone on the list almost has reacted in a great way to the message, but one individual subscriber like never opens or, you know, doesn't engage, they might send the message to spam for that one person, but to the inbox for everyone else. So they kind of look at three different things. First is the message safe. Next is the message wanted by most people. Uh, And then next is the message wanted by this specific person. So That's the typical things they look at. Of course, there are so many different factors that go into it, um, but that's certainly the biggest one. And that's why engagement is so important and cleaning up your list is so important. Yeah, those are the two things that I try to really push when customers have questions about how to help their overall sender reputation. Um, One piece of advice that I kind of default to is ask your subscribers questions to get them engaged. Having subscribers respond to your emails 
And and I say it all the time, but I feel like it's something that's worth mentioning, you know, just to get that into, you know, your head that there's always enough, there's someone on the other side of that email address. And really, even though an algorithm sounds like something that's totally not personal, (laughs) which it's not really, Mm -hmm. but you have to remember that there is someone on the other side of the email. And even though the algorithm isn't necessarily a person who's looking at the conversation between two, you know, the sender and the recipient, it can still tell what kind of engagement is happening between the sender and the recipient. So I always say, you know, really push for that sort of response from your subscribers, ask them questions, get them excited about your content, have it a two-way conversation, not just someone receiving your content and they read it and that's it. Right. And even getting them to read, uh, which we'll talk about a little bit more when we talk about the promotions tab. But, you know, as a sender, you don't see how many seconds or minutes someone spends reading your email. But Gmail sees that. It's their platform. And they use that as a signal. So it's a signal you don't have access to. All you'll see is an open, but not every open is the same on Gmail's end and when they're deciding where to place your messages. So also just making sure your content's really valuable and that people are actually spending time reading it is also really important. And not that it's just like, here's what I'm selling, buy it, you know, onto the next one. Cause there's a really good point. Yeah. There's a lot of people trying to get your subscribers to buy things from them, but you'll have to think about what sets you apart and what provides value to your subscribers. One note on domain reputation is in case you haven't heard this in other episodes, there are a few different domains within the email that Gmail is going to pay attention to, and that is going to impact your deliverability. So obviously there's your friendly from domain, your main sender domain. And that's probably your website or whatever you use to send email. So that has major reputation that Gmail is looking at. But also in the background of the email, there's the return path domain and the DCAM signing domain. If you're using an ESP like ConvertKit to send emails, there's a good chance that domain is your ESP's domain. And so their reputation is going to play a little bit of a part. And oftentimes it actually helps your delivery and deliverability. So there's that factor. But if your ESP is like ConvertKit and allows you to make those domains your own domain, just be aware that that means when it comes to Gmail deliverability, you're going to be relying on your own reputation so much more heavily. So for example, I do see every now and then a ConvertKit customer will set it up so that their domain is in use for the return path and the DCAM domain, which we call a verified sending domain. And they just don't realize all of the reputation pieces that go into that. And they might not have a super solid reputation. Maybe their open rates aren't great or their list isn't super clean. And they'll actually see their deliverability decline by making that change because they're not using ConvertKit's reputation as heavily as they were. And ConvertKit has a really solid reputation, but instead they're relying more heavily on their reputation. Another thing that goes into that too, I just had a customer with this problem today, is that you have to send pretty frequently to keep up that reputation if you're not relying on your ESP's domain. So if you decide to have your own domain for um, DKIM signing or for the return path domain, be sure that you're sending at least once a week to your list because if not, Gmail won't be able to have a solid reputation built up for your domain 
and you'll see some issues there. We mostly see Gmail will bounce sometimes around 50% of the messages they receive if they suddenly see emails come through from a domain that they haven't seen for a while. I think a lot of people get confused, um, which is totally understandable, but you don't have to use that domain in the way that Alyssa is talking about. I think people sometimes come to ConvertKit and they're like, oh, I need to do all these DNS setting changes. And you don't have to do that. You can rely on ConvertKit's reputation for your sending. It's not going to harm any of any of the things you're trying to do, which is to reach the inbox of your subscribers. So I think that is something that can kind of be a bit confusing, mm-hmm. um, especially if you're working with your domain host. I think that can get just like they have an opinion on how things should be and they don't know every ESP's protocols or what ESPs are doing for deliverability. So just know that like if you if you do want to set up some DNS settings, you know, any changes, or if you want to set up specifically with ConvertKit a verified sending domain, you can always reach out to support and double check that, you know, it might be a good fit for you or not, because it's just very dependent on your situation as a sender. Yeah, essentially not every sender is a good fit for having their email reputation be solely on them. You have to be a pretty large sender with really great reputation and engagement and frequency in order for that to be a good move for you to make, which certainly makes sense for some people, but it doesn't make sense for everyone. So that's a really good piece of advice. Sometimes it's great to just lean a little bit more on your ESP who is sending millions of messages a day and has a team of people making sure that the reputations are high there. So right, let's hop into one that oh, I just love talking about because... It causes a lot of good conversation. So let's talk about the promotions tab. Yeah, it's a it's definitely a hot topic for deliverability, uh, especially for customers who might see it just automatically right off the bat as a bad thing. Um, I think promotions, that's just it's kind of a tough word. It doesn't always sit well with people, which I totally understand. But it does cause a lot of frustration for people when they do testing and they notice that all of their messages are going to the promotions tab in Gmail. Yes. And I agree. I think that's a really good point. I actually haven't thought of before, but I know Microsoft kind of uses the words focused and other. And I think that mm. is a little bit better because it makes sense that, you know, maybe an email from your boss or your spouse or like another one to one important looking email would go in focused. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, maybe a newsletter or something else would go in other. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I think the word promotion does frustrate a lot of people because sometimes your emails will go in the promotions tab, but they're not necessarily, you know, like a sale or promotion, but they are a one to many email that's not critical to be answered right then and there. And the way it's kind of evolved, it seems like Gmail really wants the primary tab to be those emails that like you need to respond to, you need to get notified about ASAP and the rest sort of fall into promotions or social, or I know some people have like a newsletter kind of tab set up. In mine, it's just Gmail and social or promotions and social. Gmail became the top mailbox provider by building features that make email less of a headache for their users. So one of the ways they've done that is by making that primary tab for those really important messages because those are contributing to your inbox count, which we all hate, you know, we want that Mm -hmm. to be zero. And if you have the Gmail app or any other kind of push notification setup, emails that go to the primary tab will send you a push notification, which as we all know, at least for me, 
those can be really disruptive throughout my day. If I'm trying to get work done and my phone lights up or buzzes, I always look. And if it's an email from someone trying to get me to buy something or, you know, it's not super important, it is kind of frustrating. And then I have Mm -hmm. to go in and open it or delete it to get it to not contribute to my inbox count. So Gmail created a space for those types of messages that you don't want to be in the spam folder, but you also don't really want them clogging up your inbox. Well, I think it's important to think too about the fact that even if you as a sender know a thousand percent that your content and your, let's just say, sale instead of promotion is going to benefit someone in some way, obviously you really do want it to end up in the inbox because you you genuinely feel like that information is so important to your subscribers. And I totally understand that. However, Gmail sees it as a promotion. Like even if you try to generally stray away from like the words and the content that would be associated with a promotion, if you're asking for like a call to action that leads to a sale, Mm -hmm. it's just going to generally, generally speaking, it could end up in promotions. Like it's, it doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, I think if you say, you know, sale here now, like those kinds of things are obvious because they sound like a promotion. Right. Um, I think where people get frustrated is when they they take time to curate what they're trying to sell or promote. And I think that it, I don't know, maybe it, like you said, it maybe it is like the, the name promotion, but it actually does do some okay things for you. Yes. So yeah, we can kind of jump into that. Yeah, this is the part I love talking about because I feel like typically you and I <laughs> come from the place of trying to convince some email senders that really the promotions tab, although you might be upset by it, you might feel like it's some sort of punishment. It's actually typically a good thing. And we're going to talk about why. So I think you and I both alluded to this, but the promotions tab is still the inbox. I know Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like it is, but it is still part of the inbox. It's definitely not the spam folder. Um, It's just a different tab within the inbox. And if Gmail didn't create the promotions tab, there's a good chance that those promotional type of emails would actually end up in the spam folder. So it's sort of giving senders another place to go if maybe their messages aren't getting great engagement in the main inbox. Mm -hmm. Going to spam is a lot worse, obviously, because people aren't really checking it very often. It also just adds a layer of maybe distrust if people see your email and spam, they might think, you know, it's a phishing it's email, or, right? Something's right. wrong with it. But the promotions tab isn't like that. It's, you know, a good place. One thing I wanted to point out was that, like I kind of alluded to earlier, you might be upset if your open rates drop because your messages go to the promotions tab. But here's what's probably happening. Your opens might be higher in the primary tab because people have to click through it in order to have it not add to their inbox numbers. You know, I don't know about you, but I personally don't really delete a lot of emails. I just kind of open them and click out really quickly. Mm -hmm. So any of those senders are going to see that I open their email and say, yay, that's great. She opened her email. I didn't read it. I didn't really want it to be there. I just clicked through to get rid of it in my inbox. But if I go to the promotions tab and I open an email, I'm doing it because I saw the subject line, I saw the sender, and I wanted to take action. Because the promotions tab doesn't have any numbers it's contributing to. I don't care if those messages get read or unread. So me opening it is a huge, strong signal. (laughs) Oh no, (laughs) I might have to do something with my cat. So my point is that 
opens are not all equal. So you might see your open rates drop if your messages go to the promotions tab and that's when people usually panic. But the open in the primary tab might not be as valuable as the open in the promotions tab where someone sought out your message. Usually when people go to the promotions tab, they're in the mindset, they're ready to purchase or take action or buy something online where if your message is sandwiched between an email from their grandmother and an email from their doctor and an you know email from their boss, and then they see your promotion, they're probably not in the headspace and they're just gonna open your message to get it to go away. So this is one of those instances where it's really good to focus on your clicks and conversions to truly understand what's happening. And just to try and understand that the promotions isn't a punishment and that it's still the inbox in that a drop in opens isn't always a drop in sales or conversions. And it can be kind of challenging sometimes to think about pushing your subscribers to enable like a certain behavior. So that's something too that I've noticed um, just as a consumer of content myself, I'll look at my promotions tab and I'll notice that Sephora, for example, has been sending me a lot of emails and Gmail has been putting those emails in my promotions tab. Mm -hmm. And it's because maybe like I haven't been clicking them because I haven't been wanting to buy anything recently, but then I go in there to try and find something for like a sale or a coupon and I will open it. And then I notice that Gmail will start putting more of those Sephora emails in my primary inbox once I've engaged a little bit with the promotional emails. And you can kind of almost see, like I've actually had that happen a few times with different companies that it vacillates from when I'm in the mood to buy something yeah. and wanting to engage. And when I'm not, Gmail slowly starts to put those emails back into the promotions tab. So it takes time to sort of like figure out those patterns, I think, as a, you know, as a sender, you aren't as focused on the recipient side as much as you are just sending mail. So it might not be as obvious. But if you do some testing of your own, you can kind of start to notice that it's really just trying to help, um, like we say, the person on the other end of the email receive the content that they're looking for in an easier way than having to like, like Alyssa said, be in the headspace to either buy something or maybe that email is sandwiched in between two really important emails and they're just going to click on it and go away. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, Gmail's customer is the subscriber. So they want the best subscriber experience. And I would say most people really like having the promotions tab who are using Gmail. I know I personally do. If not, my inbox would be absolutely insane because I've signed up to way too many things. So that's who's paying Gmail's bills is the subscribers. So as senders, it's best to figure out how to make that work for you. I hate to say it, but there's just no way around Gmail's algorithms. I think we definitely get that question a lot of like, Mm -hmm. how do I get my message out of the promotions tab? And the answer is just don't even try because you're going to waste your time. There are definitely people out there who have tried to do like weird little tricks where it's like, I'll send 10 emails at a time and it's just not worth it. Uh, (laughs) Gmail is very smart and they're going to do what they want to do. So one thing you can do if you're really wanting your messages in primary is along the lines of what Melissa said, just ask your subscribers, you know, if you want to see this message in your primary tab, drag it, you know, from promotions to primary, that should place your messages in their primary tab for, you know, the future. I know I have done that with some senders, like my co-working space, 
they use an ESP to send emails and they pretty much all go to promotions, but I want to know what's going on with my coworking space. There's important stuff there. So I drag it to primary and now they all go there. And usually also if you respond to an email that was in your promotions tab, their emails will go to the primary tab from now on. So asking people to respond to your message, like Melissa said, is also a really good idea if you really want your messages in that primary tab. But I would just recommend also not losing sleep over that and allowing Gmail to do what they're going to do. Right. And that goes back to the whole, you know, subscriber engagement, specifically like clicks and not focusing necessarily only on your opens, because although opens can be a great resource to see if something drastic has changed with your sending, like we've mentioned in a different podcast episode, clicks and how much time people are spending looking at your email is ultimately what's probably going to be more important for them to go to that call of ac- call to action or whatever you have in your email, not the open. Exactly. Opens are a vanity metric, and I know we all rely on them and can be a little attached to them because they are helpful in some ways. Mm-hmm. Trends are always helpful. Um, if you see a huge drop in open rates somewhere, that's always a, a helpful sign to look into a deliverability issue. But for the most part, opens can be just that, a vanity metric, and they're not always super reliable, and they don't always indicate true success in what you're saying, like actual conversions, people clicking on the buttons, people doing what you want them to do. Right. So make sure you don't only focus on opens, but yeah, that you focus on those clicks and conversions too. Cool. So I just want to give a little brief overview of Google Postmaster tools because I think a lot of people don't even know it exists or if it does exist, what it can do for you. Um, But when we talk about what to do if your emails are going to spam at Gmail, this is a helpful step. So if you send email, uh, Gmail has a helpful tool called Google Postmaster Tools. If you Google that, you'll find it. And essentially, you just verify your domain, which they will help you do by adding a TXT record to your domain. And once you've done that, they will show you some data on your reputation, your spam complaints, and all of that good stuff. One important thing to know is that in order to actually see data here, you do need to have your domain being used as the DKIM signing domain. So if you're a ConvertKit customer, you'll need to have a verified sending domain in place. If you use another ESP, they probably just have a different word for that. But your domain will need to be used for DKIM. That's how Google decides, you know, the data to populate. And you also need to send enough emails for that volume to populate as well. Gmail doesn't tell you the exact number, but I believe it's more than a thousand or so for you to see data there. So once you have that in place, Google will show you your domain reputation, your IP reputation, your spam complaint percentages. They don't tell you who complained, but they just tell you your percentages, your authentication results. So all of that is helpful mostly to look at trends and spikes and things like that. So if you think you might have an issue with Gmail, You can go to Google Postmaster Tools and they'll tell you what they think about your domain. So you might see, oh, wow, my domain reputation is listed as bad at Gmail. Something is going on there. Or you might see, hmm, it says my domain reputation is high. So my domain isn't the issue. There's something else happening. And then maybe you see, oh, it says 100% of my messages are failing DMARC. That's probably what's happening. So it is a helpful piece of data 
but it doesn't really work for all senders, like smaller senders or people who don't have the right email headers in place. So just keep that in mind. There's some other things you can do if you are a smaller sender to kind of test things in Gmail. And this is, I would say, like a lot of what I do at ConvertKit. I test people's emails. I figure out you know, where they're being placed. We have different test emails that we use where we can use different email box providers, but we obviously have a Gmail one as well. And so the first thing I normally do to test someone's um, emails, because the customer will write in, they'll say, hey, I think my emails are going to spam. What can I do? So I will send a test email to the Gmail account and see where it goes first. If it goes to spam, oftentimes there will be a banner, there will be a little information blurb that tells you something about your message. And it doesn't give you like obvious specifics. Um, So we'll kind of run through some of the things you might see if an email goes to spam. But that should be the first thing that you do as a sender. And you could do this just periodically even too. Like if you don't notice anything obvious going on with your emails, if you just want to do some tests here and there, I think that's always helpful. Yes, I love that. I think the Gmail banners are so helpful. And that's something we ask customers for all the time. Mm -hmm. So if you can't replicate it, if messages aren't going to spam for you when you're testing, Oh, and one other thing, don't test with the same email address that you're sending from. (laughs) We do have people who do that sometimes. Don't do that. So test with a different Gmail address. And if it's still going to the inbox for you, but let's say someone is saying, hey, like your message is going to spam for me at Gmail. If they haven't already marked it as not spam or moved it to the inbox, ask them to screenshot what the message looks like in their spam folder. And you can get that banner message. And that's really what I think is the biggest clue to what Gmail is thinking. It's kind of the little insight they give you into their algorithms. So some different banner messages you might see and what they could mean. First one, this message seems dangerous. There are a lot of different reasons why this one could pop up. But one we just saw that was really interesting is a customer was using an email address in the from name. So let's say it was bob at gmail.com. Whenever you saw the email in your spam folder, it said it came from bob at gmail.com in like the text area where you would typically just say bob. Mm -hmm. So Gmail saw that as dangerous. Essentially, that's something spammers will do all the time because they're spoofing a domain and they want someone who isn't as savvy to see, you know, info at paypal.com, for example, there when the actual sending address is probably something way different. So ABCDEFG.com. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yep. So that's kind of a way to deceive people. And this was a, you know, a good sender. They weren't doing anything wrong, but it was causing Gmail to place it in spam. So that's one thing that could be happening there. Another one we see a lot is be careful with this message. And there's usually different subheadings. So one is blank has never sent you emails using this email address. So that might happen if let's say you have sent emails to your family member for a really long time from Alyssa at gmail.com. And they, you know, have received emails from you there for a really like years or months. And then Gmail suddenly sees that I send that family member an email from a custom domain, like Alyssa at Alyssa.com. But it still says it's coming from Alyssa Doolin. Gmail might think that I am being spoofed. And so they're warning that person like, hey, this person emails you a lot, but now it's coming from a new email address. That's a red flag because someone might be pretending to be them. Anyways, that's a really good hint. It tells you exactly why. So that's not a huge deal. It's probably only happening for that one person and Gmail is just trying to keep them safe. 
Another is X is similar to a name in your organization, but the email address doesn't belong to your domain. So I actually get this pretty often. I'm sure anyone who works, you know, in a company can understand they get this too. But like I get an email a lot that says it comes from Nathan Berry and it definitely doesn't. So Gmail will say something like, Nathan Berry is similar to a name in your organization, but the email address doesn't belong to your domain. So the email address isn't a ConvertKit domain, but it says it's Nathan Berry. We're going to flag that. So that's good. They're keeping me safe. But that might happen if you send emails to your coworkers, but the sending address you're using isn't your work domain. Yeah, we see that one quite a bit. Yeah, not a huge deal. It's just your coworkers are going to see that warning and it's Gmail keeping them safe, but no one else outside of your organization is going to see that. Right. Another one is could not verify that it actually came from whatever sending domain. Um, I see this one quite a bit. It's usually an authentication issue, which means that maybe you have a DMARC record set up and it's causing your emails to go to spam. Normally, that's a pretty quick fix. You just have to, in ConvertKit's case, you need to set up a verified sending domain. That usually fixes the issue unless you maybe have some reputation issue that's also sending your emails to spam. But normally when people do that um, and it's an authentication issue, their emails will start landing in the primary inbox right after they do that. Yeah, I love those because just like you said- Those ones are a fun, easy fix. I know. I love a deliverability issue that can be solved with like doing one thing because it's not usually like like that. Yeah, it feels like that's one of the only ones that's like an instant fix. So yeah, I feel like a magician. I'm like, oh, here you go. Yeah, that's pretty fun. Yeah. So check your DMARC records and all of that good stuff. Another one is content that is similar to messages that were marked as spam in the past. So you know, if your reputation isn't as solid and the content looks suspicious, then it will send emails to the spam folder. There obviously are like different instances where this might happen and it's not correct. And that's just part of it being an algorithm and not a person who's actually checking. So it's important to think about, I mean, this is something that we actually just talked about not too long ago, but for example, the URLs that you use within your message. Yeah. If that domain has a bad reputation, like let's just, for example, let's just say convertkit.com. So let's say, you know, I use my email address to send an email to Alyssa and it has convertkit.com in the email content itself. If convertkit.com as a domain had a bad reputation, then that could go to the spam folder. Yeah, one really common one we see, I feel like, is when people use Bitly Mm. uh, or another link shortener in their email, they might see it go to spam with this sort of warning. And again, it's just like this sender, you know, maybe it's their first time sending email or we just don't have a solid reputation for them. And we see this little suspicious thing. Or maybe your email contains the word like email address and password reset or something. I've seen that happen where it's a legit person, Mm -hmm. but they happen to be telling someone that like, hey, your password has been reset. If that sending domain, again, doesn't have a really solid reputation and they're saying something like that, there's a good chance you'll see this warning. And in one other scenario where I've seen this warning is if your sending domain has a bad reputation, but you're using your ESP's domain in the like DKIM signing domain or the return path domain, like we've talked about, sometimes you'll see this, this warning. The content is similar to messages that were marked as spam in the past because they're a little confused. They're like, okay, we like the domain reputation being used in the background, which in our case is ConvertKit, or maybe in your case, it's another ESP. Maybe that domain has a great reputation, but the from domain has an iffy reputation, not a great reputation. Typically, this is the banner message you'll see for that. 
And then the next one, this one is the most descriptive and I kind of love when it happens. <laughs> Lots of messages from blank were identified as spam in the past. And that blank is a domain, ascending domain. So at ConvertKit specifically, you'll only see this warning if you have a verified sending domain in place. And that means, you know, your domain is being used both in the friendly from address and kind of in the background of the message. And Gmail has seen too many complaints from that domain. So that's a very good sign that people have been marking your message as spam in Gmail. Unfortunately, you can't know who marked it as spam because of right. the way Gmail's feedback loop works. But it's a signal that something went wrong and it needs to be addressed. There are some things that you can do to resolve the issue. We can kind of, or the issue, we can kind of go through this. And I think that's the hard thing about Gmail and why people can get frustrated because there isn't anything obvious. There's not a button that says, oh, just do, you know, click here. It'll fix the problem. Like it's definitely, it takes some sleuthing. It takes some testing and there's not like a one fix for everything. So we can kind of go through and talk about what kinds of things you can do in order to build that reputation back up with Gmail and kind of get back into their good graces. Yeah. And I think the best first step is looking at whatever data you have and trying to paint the picture of where things went wrong. Because if you're suddenly seeing a reputation issue or spam filtering at Gmail, typically that means something has happened. Something has changed about your sending, maybe the way people are engaging with you. So try and figure out what that thing is. One of my favorite things to do is to look at the complaints section in your account wherever you send mail. Again, you won't see Gmail data there, which is a little sad, but you will see other sorts of complaints. And look through your complaints. See okay, who's complaining about my messages and what was their experience like? Did they sign up for my email list and immediately complain? Because that's probably list bombing, which we have a whole episode about. Or I helped someone that I was consulting with recently and they didn't realize that they were sending emails like two or three times a day because they had so many different like sequences and flows set up that they didn't realize if you signed up crossover. For, yes, if you signed yeah. up for their email list, you're pretty much getting bombarded. And that happened recently. So try and follow the data. If you do get a Google Postmaster Tools account, you can see spikes there in complaints. So look and see, okay, what day did spikes happen for complaints? What did I do on that day? Did I import a new list recently? Are my forms secure? Am I sending too much email? Are my emails valuable? So many different things you can look at, but try and identify the root issue and address that. Right. And my favorite, my personal favorite piece of deliverability advice that I give all the time is if you haven't cleaned out your list, do that now. You can, especially, well, in ConvertKit, you can get specific to Gmail by, you know, by segmenting who you want to look at. And I mean, that's just like one of the biggest ways you can totally tank your sender reputation is by sending to people who are not opening your emails. I mean, Gmail will just see that. And I mean, you could, it's crazy because you could have a decent size list where a lot of people are opening your mail, but if a certain percentage of that is all cold, even if you have a decent engagement rate, they will start sending your messages to spam because they are seeing that there is a list of people that you are sending to who are not opening your messages and are completely unengaged. And that just to them is like a huge red flag. Yeah, exactly. That's such a good point. And it's a good sign that that's the issue, especially if, you know, like I was just saying, oh, something probably changed. Sometimes we work with senders and actually nothing has changed. They've done the same thing forever and they're suddenly seeing issues. The issue there is that they've never cleaned their list. So what has changed is just that Gmail was like, okay, 
enough. Right. You've sent to these people for years, sometimes a year, sometimes more, and they haven't opened a message from you in all of that time. And we're tired of you sending to them. So that is one really big factor. Right. And I think people get a little confused sometimes because they're like, well, you know, what if I was sending them for X amount of time and why did Gmail all of a sudden? And it's kind of just like that, you know, it's like baseball, like you have three strikes, you're out. Like that's kind of how Gmail sees it. Like you continue to do it and they're, they're like, okay, we're going to give this person a pass They've done it a few times. Maybe they didn't realize. Maybe they are planning on cleaning their list. Maybe they're trying to do the right thing. And after a certain amount of time of just like constantly sending to cold subscribers, they are going to start sending your emails to spam. Yeah. And people have noticed in the industry that typically Gmail's kind of threshold is 180 days of sending email to someone and them not engaging, not opening. Of course, Gmail on their end can see even more like, did they read it? Did they delete it? All kinds of things. So If they're seeing a large amount of your subscribers have been receiving emails for 180 days and haven't taken action, that's going to be a big negative signal. So be sure that's kind of the second step. So first step is to follow the data, try and figure out if something went wrong, like a bad import, list bombing, bad content, too frequent of content. That's all step one. Address that. Step two is what we just said, clean up your list. If you have unengaged subscribers, go ahead and remove. I would say remove anyone who hasn't opened in a year. By that point, there's just not a good chance they're going to be engaged. And then anyone who hasn't opened in 180 days to a year, maybe send them a final opt-in confirmation email and remove people who don't confirm their opt-in. And then the next step, once you've addressed those two things to really boost your positive signals that you're sending to Gmail, I recommend sending to only your most engaged Gmail subscribers for two to four weeks. And I would consider that anyone who's opened an email in the last 30 days. So just focus on them for the next two to four weeks. And then Gmail's algorithms are going to see only really awesome engagement from your domain from that time. And it helps them boost your sender reputation And from there, you can slowly introduce the rest of your list and hopefully see much better inbox placement because Gmail has seen really great engagement from your domain. Right. And then finally, like we've mentioned earlier, encourage your subscribers to reply to your emails. Gmail likes to see this. They can tell a difference when people are really engaging, clicking, responding to your emails. Again, my one piece of advice to customers when they are desperate to kind of rebuild that reputation is ask questions that you know you'll get a response from. Yep. That's such a good point. And if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't know, uh, skeptical, I just want to give a little um, case study report. I had a client. It was actually my first kind of like consulting gig. I actually signed up for someone's email list that I actually, you know, I wanted to receive. Their message went to my spam folder and I responded and was like, hey, I just so you know, this went to my spam folder. I do deliverability. I'm happy to help. I wasn't trying to get you know, a gig with them, but it worked. They were like, yeah, let's pay you. So I dug into what was happening and I followed these exact steps. So when I first started with them, their domain reputation was bad at Gmail. That's what Gmail listed it as. And it was so fun over the course of them following all of those steps to log into Google Postmaster Tools. And their reputation just kept going up and up and up like a little staircase. First it went to you know low and then it went to medium and now it's at high and it's been that way for months and their inbox placement is through the roof. Their conversions are much higher. 
And these are literally the exact steps that I followed. So they had list bombing issues. They're, they're true and tried. Yes. Tried and true. <laughs> yeah. Whatever the Whatever order, it is. It works. I've <laughs> so, been driving for days. My brain's not working. Oh my gosh. I don't even know how <laughs> you're doing anything. You're like a boss. It's amazing. Oh, so thank you. Anyways, just want to let you all know that these really do work and I highly recommend following them if your emails are going to spam at Gmail due to poor domain reputation. And if you happen to follow these steps because of an issue you might, you might be experiencing, feel free to reach out to us and let us know over, you know, if you've used some of these steps and if you see any improvement, we'd love to hear what kind of feedback you have. And yeah. Yeah. We always love to hear it. It's helpful to know what's working, what's not working, and just to hear your stories. So let us know. We do have a contact form at convertkit.com slash deliverability. We do have a few people who write in there and will, you know, say nice things or ask questions. And it's really fun to engage with you all one-on-one. So you can always reach out there and like ask us the most random question or just say hi or whatever it may be. Yeah. And as always, we would love to get reviews. If you listen to the podcast, we'd love a five-star review leave a comment. It helps our morale. It's, you know, when, it we, when we first started this, we <laughs> neither one of us had ever done this before. And it can be a little bit overwhelming at times and a little nerve wracking. Um, I think we're getting the hang of it, but we would love to hear what you guys have to say. Yeah, it's just honestly nice to know that we're not just like speaking into the void <laughs> that people are listening. Because exactly. um, metrics around podcasting is kind of weird. Like it's actually really hard to know how many people are listening and all that good stuff. So yeah, if you want to leave us a review or just write in to us and let us know you're there That'd be <laughs> and awesome. that we're helping. Yeah, that would be great. So thank you. Cool. Well, Melissa, I guess next time we hear from you next week, you'll be in a whole nother state. I will. I will. I'm excited. That's crazy. I know. Uh, be safe driving. Thank you. I'm excited to get together with you next week. You too. I hope you listen to our podcast your whole drive. <laughs> I, I do. I do. I have a hard time listening to my own voice if I'm being oh, honest. Same. So. I haven't yeah. been listening to it the whole time, but I did listen to our hey.com episode, which seems to be like a pretty popular one. And I actually really enjoyed listening to it again. So that's good. Yeah, that one is fun. And someone asked me for an update. I did end up buying a year subscription of Hey. Honestly, right now, it's not worth it for me because they don't have the custom domain feature. Mm-hmm. And I like to send from alissadoolin.com and I can't do that. So I hope they get that soon. Uh, but if you, you know, purchased a Hey account or you're trying one out and you want to test it out, feel free to email me at alissad at hey.com. Yeah, I'd love to know if people are up, tried it out or are using it. Um, I signed up for a trial account. I'm not sure if I'm going to pay for the full year yet or not. I had to do it because, you know, deliverability specialist. And I needed to know what, what all the hype was about, but we'll see. Yeah, cool. Okay, I'll let you all go. I'm obviously very chatty, <laughs> so I'm going to keep going. <laughs> all right, well, everyone have a great rest of your week and we'll see you next week. See you later. Thanks for listening to Deliverability Defined. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And if you have time, please leave us a review. You can find a resource guide for today's show at convertkit.com slash deliverability, where we outline all of the information you need to know from today's episode. If you have a question or topic you want us to cover, let us know within the ConvertKit community or at convertkit.com slash deliverability. We'll see you next week.